and welcome to today's podcast, Monday, August 29th. Very excited to have our really informative guest on. Um, you remember we spoke to Jawan Armour. Uh, he was the initial head of the Violence Interrupter Program. That program has now shifted into Save Our Community. Uh, some better messaging, some better communication, some better branding, and the person at the forefront of that, the commissioner of Save Our Community, David Bush, is our guest. Alex and David along shortly. First, a couple of things to get to. Um, I'm not sure when I mentioned this recently, but let me throw it by you now, September 10th. I'd ask that you could consider putting that on your calendar. Uh, it was about a year or so ago I connected with Nikki Lakata who works uh, at Dana. Her son, Christian, was in the military, living in Alaska, um, a place with lots of isolation. As you could imagine, the suicide rates there are very high for all the reasons you would would accurately guess. Uh, I believe he was dating someone. It went sideways, and with some other things, uh, Christian took his life, and it nearly broke Nikki. And her other son, Brandon, Christian's brother. So she started Christian's Corner, a 5K run, walk. Uh, and that's going to happen on September 10th. It's the second year for Nikki. She's still getting her sea legs going, how to build something like this. So I'm happy to help her out. Um, as you know, we've talked about on the show or you've seen places, suicides for veterans are extremely high. I don't know if the number is still what we've seen before, 22 or 23 a day. We've got to get that down. Um, I guess we have to, in the same way that we train people to see the horrors of this planet, we've got to train them to integrate back into society safely so those veteran suicide numbers come down. Uh, Nikki's event is September 10th. Uh, it will not be all darkness and gloom and and macabre. It will be a celebration, celebration of Christian's life and of others and some resources as, as well. We'd love to see you out there on September 10th. A couple of other things before we get to David Bush. I really want to talk about uh, these and have a back and forth with Alex and others here on the podcast, but I'll run these by you. First off, first off I had seen this somewhere else and there was a I was reading a football article that I read on Mondays, and they shared the post in the Washington Washington. They shared the article from the Washington Post, which is we're going to have a war on lawns. Um, I didn't. I was unable to read the entirety of the article because it was it was gated. But I I am becoming more and more familiar with this, and this is one of those where I'm I'm on the side of lawns are good. But this is one of the issues where I'm going to have my ears very wide open. Um, basically, it's it's an environmental issue. It's a water issue. So do we need to have lawns? Um, the pros I think of, a lot is part of my childhood. The front and backyard was where I grew up. It's where I played with my friends. Our front lawn was the, was the wiffle ball field. Um... I don't know if kids need things like that anymore because when they're outside, there are plenty of places to go. Um, they have lots of organized sports for their events. So I wonder if I'm just being nostalgic in that sense. 
Um, I, where now people in New York City have likely solved this problem. Uh, as a dog lover, where do I take my dogs? One thing people always asked me when I lived downtown was, where do you let your dogs out? Where do they go? Uh, I was fortunate um, to live right across the radio station where I worked at. And if you go uh, diagonal across from like Maddie and Bella, um, there was that big open field. Now there's a, I think a TPS building and there's another office building that's come up there, but I had big open field. There was a lot of places for me to find grass and lawns to, uh, to take the dogs, to go do what they needed to do. What happens if we're, we are all a concrete jungle like New York city? Um, a lawn could be a, a hobby, Maybe that's part of the reason where people are saying, do you need to be watering that thing? Do you need to be taking care of that thing? Um, One, it costs money to water your lawn. Maybe not a lot, but if you're doing it frequently. Um, But we, we often hear we need green in our life. We need nature. We certainly have, and, and this doesn't go just for Toledo, we, we certainly have plenty of curated green spaces outside of the metro parks. So there's plenty of places to go to get some fresh air and see nature. But if you don't have a lawn, it's a little bit further away. So I, I'm, not, I'm not staunchly on the pro-lawn side where I'm unwilling to hear what the other side has to say. So I look forward to, to the discourse with that. Um, another thing that we've heard a lot of, and still, um, places are lacking workers. And I forget, some another person brought this up to me and they were wondering where all the kids were. And for the third or fourth time, I've said, they're on their phones. Why should I, why should I go work for $13, $14 an hour. And, and I think many of us did. I remember when I was growing up, I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Maybe it's 14 when I got my first job, maybe a little younger than that. It was right in that area where I couldn't wait to get to work so I could, you know, think about having a car. And my dad always told me, I car I can, I can use, but I need to pay my own insurance. And I wanted a little bit of spending money outside of my allowance, which I worked for and had weekly chores. Um, but I was excited to get my first job. Is that still a thing where kids are excited to get their first job? Um, they This is a different time where maybe they believe, well, I can just be on Twitch. I can start a YouTube channel. I can get on TikTok. Why should I do what they might find is grueling heavy labor or customer service or f- literally flipping burgers, which we were always... Um, so derogatory and derisive against when we were kids. Oh, you don't want to flip burgers. You're going to be flipping burgers for the rest of your life. When they know that they're just a couple of viral videos away from making big bucks, maybe they'd rather invest their time, as hopeless as it may be, because for every video, every 10 videos that go viral, there are how many tens of thousands or more that just sit there with 13 views. Maybe they're calculating things. I'd rather work on these videos to make money potentially than go actually work. Also, phones, like all of us, um, a job was a thing to do. Um, It was a way, obviously uh, a way to socialize. There were other benefits to having a job when we were, when we were kids, maybe kids who seem to be the whole, like young people, Kids, teenagers, young adults. Maybe they're the hole in the workforce because their education is so overwhelming. 
These are things I want to ask people who, uh, people who have kids, parents. Um, they have so much school work to do. Uh, they might be far more pressured than we were. So they don't have time to work because of study and the workload and whatnot. Um, another thing, kind of close to that, um, there is a lot more that goes into sports these days for the many kids that do play sports. For me, it was just baseball practice, and I was home by like 5.30 every day. Well, maybe it's just a Perrysburg or Sylvania thing, but they have like additional trainers in addition to their after-school baseball practice. Uh, The time and money that takes up the travel sports. So when a kid plays a sport, that takes away more time from them being able to work. And then one more thing. Going back to a job is a, a thing to do and fill some time. We've talked about this before. There is too much content. For the same reason I've stopped, I've stopped suggesting shows to watch because you've already got a long list on your queue, movies, TV, and whatnot, books. Um, there is more content than ever before. So if they don't really need the money, I mean, good for them, but they're certainly not lacking for things to do because there is just so much to do on their phone. Uh, One more kids thing. I remember it was a girl and it was the girl in different strokes, the blonde girl. I think she had an untimely demise. And we remember the stories of childhood stars finding a sad demise, whether it was death or it took them a long time to, to pull out of the spiral they were in because of no one, including themselves and their family and their agents and whoever else, knew how to manage their fame when they were eight years old. So some of that has happened now. There's there's always a Demi Lovato story. She and Selena Gomez, all these all all these kids who were stars on TV when they were 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, turned into big um, movie stars. So as we went from the 80s to, to the 90s to the aughts, uh, there were more and more young stars encountering fame. To go back to the videos and TikTok fame and celebrity, now that is the generation, again, kids in their late single digits, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, uh, teenagers, they don't dismiss mental health like, like mental health was dismissed for those people that, you know, that I just mentioned, 80s, 90s, and 2000s. So they're aware of it. But there are likely more young people, kids and teenagers, more famous than ever before, sooner than they ever could have expected. Will we have a lot of broken kids? Will we have a lot of Demi Lovatos as we move from TikTok with teenagers and those teenagers turn into 27-year-olds or 37-year-olds? Will they live up to the interest that they have and the availability they know they have of mental health help? Again, they have all those resources, but fame can be more oppressive and shinier than ever before. Are we going to have scores of famous young celebrities who cannot pull out of these spirals. We'll see. Um, David Bush. It was a delight to talk to him. Uh, one of the big things that I took from David was, um, 
I think things will be communicated better from the city and from David's team as to what's going on with the Save Our Community program. And branding, marketing, communication is everything from the smallest issues to the biggest issues. Alex Snell and David Bush, thanks for being here. Now, is this Alex with the city of Toledo we got or who? (laughs) No, it's Alex with the Wellness Center. Hi, David. Alex, hey! <laughs> I told you, you I didn't do. clarify that. You didn't clarify that, Eric. I'm like, which Alex? My apologies. My apo- who's the Alex? Okay. Who's the Alex you were thinking of? Um, I thought it was Alexandria from the city of Toledo. I don't know who that is. I don't know. Okay. Oh, that's nice. There's two Alexes. Um. Yeah, we, we we weren't no, and we're not gonna. There's no ambushing here. A couple of hard questions, I guess. But we, I think Amy probably told you we're uh, we're fun. Um. And so this is the the beginning. Um. It is always fun and exciting to have a librarian <laughs> on with us. Uh, David, you have uh, let let's start back there in, in the '80s before you got to where you are now, which is why we wanted to chat with you. Um, you have been with the library, right? Yes, I I was with the Toledo Lucas County Public Library, uh, Eric, for twenty eight years. Wow. Were you tired of the uh, uh, of the problematic leadership of our friend Jason Kutchma, and you just said, "I'm out of here"? <laughs> we love Jason. We love Jason. Love Jason. No, it was not that at all. Um, Eric, sometimes in life, uh, your assignment is over with. Yeah. And um, and that's where I was in life. You know, I'm truly walking in my purpose, and I appreciate this opportunity. Some people might have uh, raised an eyebrow at, at first, and I think we have more knowledge, Alex and I, of, of library workings, and especially what Jason and his team have done, and being like a backbone to the community during the time of COVID. People might think, library? What's a guy, what's a guy going to do, throw a book at somebody in the Junction neighborhood? When in all actuality, you have probably come across hundreds of people who you are now asked to interact with and, and help mediate some things in that position with the library, mm-hmm. right? Well, some of that is correct, um, but let's let's put some things in perspective. Um, my life is hasn't always just been a librarian. Um, a lot of my work has been done in communities outside of the library, also uh, running a nonprofit for two decades, working with underserved youth and families, um, uh, being able to mentor two thousand youth in the last twenty three years. That's David Bush. Um, so when you look at it from a surface aspect, you may say, well, what can a librarian do? But you have to look to the fullness of who David Bush is and what I bring to the table. So, OK, that's good, because I think one of my thoughts and one of my questions that that I'll probably focus on in our conversation today is where where do you see the difference? I mean, you've worked with you really worked with youth your your entire working life and the youth at that time. Um, and the youth that are in our community now, where do you, do you have a finger on kind of what the differences are between the two of them? Because I feel like they're the dynamic is changing and and growing, and it's getting a little bit. I don't want to use the term difficult because I feel like that gives them a negative that it puts a ne- negative connotation on them. But um, the challenges are greater for us to meet. Sure, Alex, I see the difference in society. Okay. Society has changed. Um, did we expect for our kids not to change with it? <laughs> um, if you see adults that can't get along, I was asked a question at a, 
uh, United, uh, Savannah United Methodist Church last Sunday. Um, who do I hear? And one thing I shared with them, Alex, was I hear the voice of youth who are exhausted. Yeah, They're exhausted by the fact that we seem to can't get along. They're exhausted by um, what we see along party lines. They want to know what's in it for them. When the dust settles and and we as adults get finished with all this infighting, what's in it for a youth? Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I'm hearing from them is they're trying to find their way out. And society has changed. Um, we live in a point now, um, Alex and, and Eric, where guns are sexy. Yeah. Now I grew up, women were sexy. <laughs> Still are. Right? Yes. Right? So, David, you're so, a little, David, you're a little muffled now. A little muffled on our um, end. Let me... Let me let me take it off speakerphone. Oh, Do I oh there you go. Ha-ha. Ha-ha. So that's where we're at. Um, in my mind, it took 20 years for all of this to go bad. Yeah. And, and it may take 20 for all of it to go good again. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, violence has always been around. Gun violence has always been around. We'll never be able to eradicate it. It's like saying you're going to eradicate racism. It's not going to happen. Alex, However, Alex, oops, so, I'm sorry, David. Sure. However, we can make a change one brick at a time. Um, Alex and I have talked about this repeatedly. We've watched it unfold. It's been a part of our discussion. We've watched our community. Um, COVID was really what cracked the egg open and put all these problems out there because from everything that I've come across, you know, um, violence and crime has really come down since since the 80s and and i hope it doesn't take as long like you talked about to to get it to get the egg uncracked um i we had juan on the show um juan armor who was previously in this position it's you have a different name for the position and uh i didn't envy him um and i kind of look at it like my best example is uh david who's your favorite sports team uh, which sports? Uh, let's go. Um, let's I'm go. A Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Oh, oh no! Perfect. Really? Oh, David. David, I you got, had me until then. David, I have the perfect example. Oh, stop. Not saying that that <laughs> Jawan and his team had the level of uh, a level of success, but kind of like uh, who's going to be the quarterback after Ben Roethlisberger? Like um, Mason Rudolph, the the kid from Pittsburgh. That's like what Jawan and his team were in. Um, with COVID. With that, when when something doesn't live up to your expectations, there's a lot of lessons. Um, and I don't care whether there's any animus between you and the previous regime or whatever. We all just want the, the best thing, safer communities. So what was learned from, we'll call uh, year zero of the Violence Interrupter Program that you guys are going to take into moving forward? Well, first and foremost, Juwan and I are friends. There's no Good. animosity whatsoever. Someone had to kick this program off. Mm-hmm. There are things that Juwan did not receive. He didn't have the same support. He had a skeleton crew, and he was introduced the wrong way. Um, nobody can be the savior of this, and this interrupters program can't be the end of all. All right? So it has to be from our circles of education, um, our churches, our community leaders, um, our lay people, um, parents. It's going to take all of us to turn this around, not a program. Mm-hmm. 
Um, that being said, I am 90 days today in. And what we look at this as a fresh start. And we're putting efforts in. We're putting a brick in every day. My thing to my team is get 10% better every day. Got it. And I am provided with resources. I am receiving calls from all across the country. I'm receiving emails. And it's nothing but good stuff. It's support. You know why? Nobody wants to see this fail. So I, I want to... Right? Res- oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I want to respect your point of the fresh start, but I do think that it's important to ask this question. The... Um, with did the public support or lack thereof have anything to do with what Juwan received to be successful? Because I think that that's, I think knowing that makes it important for conversations like this, and and important for Eric and I when we're out in the public to continue to support the Save Our Community initiative. So, um, sure, was public support at that time? What? How much did that have to do with what the resources Juwan received from the city um, and the success? Well, let's see if I can answer that question okay. while my phone, my other phone continues to ring. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, the biggest thing that I saw, and I want to look at myself as being one of those individuals, was nobody really knew what SOC was. Yeah. I mean, nobody knew, like, what is Save Our Community, right? Everybody thought Save Our Community was in every community. And if something happened on the east side, why weren't you there last night? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the narrative uh, wasn't fully out there in the community for people to understand just what it was. Right. And once I got at one government center, there were individuals who were asking me what it was. But me being a storyteller, a poet, <laughs> I was able to create that narrative, right? Mm-hmm. I was always told, you know, you better learn how to tell your story or someone else will tell it for you. <laughs> we talked about that when we trained together, yeah. Right. So here's some, some things. This is what uh, Save Our Community isn't. Mm-hmm. We're not peace officers. Mm-hmm. We're not snitches in the community. We're not the FBI. At the time when Juwan was running it, running it they were only up a third of the program, meaning they were, more, they were in one area, Junction, Inglewood, only mm-hmm. with three people. Um, interrupters don't show up behind yellow tape. That's the job of our peace officers. We respond to shootings within 72 hours. Each interrupter takes on five cases. A outreach specialist takes all 15 of those cases and provides resources to get individuals out of that lifestyle if that's what they're looking to do. Right. If they're not looking to do that, um, what what do you do? And, and how it, does the community receive um, the outreach and, and the offers, are they are they open to it or is there pushback? I wouldn't say it's pushback. From what I'm hearing from the interrupters, they're very well received in, in the community. People are clapping hands, Good. you know, giving them fist bumps and so on and so forth. Um, if we, we have to meet them where they're at. We know there are going to be individuals that just do what they do, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's drugs or whatever. However, what we tell individuals is, I'll be back tomorrow and the day after and the day after. I'm not giving up on you. If you need something, I'm here. We want to interrupt the cycle of violence. But with that, we're no longer violence interrupters. 
we also want to interrupt the cycle of poverty because violence has a girlfriend. Her name is poverty. <laughs> In any community you go to that you see poverty, you'll see them two kicking it together. Yeah. So that's a really good point because I think that Eric and I talk about, I don't think, I know, Eric, and when we talk about you know, the violence in our community. And when we're talking about the challenges that our community members are having, I have always said that you need to, especially for the young people, you do need to create a path to a life that someone can envision for themselves. If there's a young mm-hmm. man in the community and he feels like he's only ever going to have the same life that he, he had, that his parents grew up having, which is poor, not knowing where your next meal is, sometimes not having a car. How are you even going to get transportation to school or to a university? You know what I mean? Identifying a path for them and showing and walking them through this is where you're at at 17 years old. And when you're 22, you're going to make $50,000 a year doing this career that we are going to help you with through that process. I feel like it's important for them to envision because sometimes finances play a big role in somebody's hope and their outlook on life. Um, I do. I truly believe that. I do. Agree. Um. So I have had the pleasure of getting to know you and your team. And and I mean it when I say pleasure, because your interrupters and the outreach specialists, it's it's such an impactful room to be in. And they're wonderful people. And all I want for you all is for the community to be able to see each side of each side of you, every bit of the work that you're doing and the love and the admiration for the community that that your team has, because it's just you get into a room with them and the, the conversations that they have and the camaraderie that they have with each other and the guidance that you and Angel have for them. I just want the whole community to be able to see you and see what you're doing and get to know you all because it really does make the difference. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. That is very much appreciated. Mm. Um, and we just want to do the work. You know, um, though we know that the numbers are down mm-hmm. for shootings in our particular area, and overall in the city of Toledo, that's not what we're really looking at because that's that's success, right? Mm-hmm. However, if they were up, you want us to own that too, right? What we want to do is the work. Right. And that's the real work, the day in, the day out. Um, and what we do is provide uh, resources. Mm-hmm. So whether that's anything from food insecurity to clothing to mental health uh, to, to just linking you up with something that can guide you on a pathway, um, and more so employment, because we know closed mouths don't eat. That's um, true. That really helps an individual find out that there's other things in life, right? And some of it is just lacking confidence, and you can't help it from where you grew up at. Some people live among violence. It's not like they choose to. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where you live. Right. Uh, David, to talk about communication, um, and I'm glad that that's so much in your background and it's what I do. It's what I brought Alex into communication can be everything. And I think the city for the most part does a pretty damn good job of, of getting that, that word out there. Um, We went to to make a a point of the blind spot. When I think we spoke to Juwan, we were like, wait a second, you're only in the junction neighborhood to your point of people were expecting in South Toledo, East Toledo. Um, So I appreciate your goal of making sure communication is crystal clear and also communicating with these kids who could be who could go either way. Hey, let's get you fed with uh, connecting kids to meals. Mm-hmm. There's a job out there somewhere for you. Um, so I applaud your desire to keep communication uh, a paramount goal. Um, let me ask you this, and I don't mean to be a cynic, 
Um, I had said this seemingly from from the outset. Like once COVID cooled down, the world might cool down, and it has. Other problems have cropped up. How has some of the regression, thankfully, of the violence, gun violence, and and, and whatnot, been because of your work and the work of others, community places, churches, community centers, and whatnot, and just COVID kind of pulling back a little bit and being less of a vice for people? I think it's it's taking the edge off people somewhat. Hmm. Um, Do they still have an edge? Yes. We're not just talking about as far as violence. I mean, when's the last time you drove on the street and people were like on edge, cutting Hmm. your off, finger up? Um, We're living in different times right now. Mm -hmm. And it's, let's talk about the after effects of COVID. Uh, Some say uh, how it affects your brain can be, they're looking at that five years down the road. Look at it, how it affects a child and them just being able to be back in the classroom and find out what, a, what, a, what the new normal is all about. Mm. So we're, we're all still recovering, um, but those numbers are down because I would, I would think COVID has cooled down some, but also um, I think what the, mayor is doing, what the mayor is doing with his initiative to reduce gun violence, um, that's threefold. So that's intervention, that's prevention, that's enforcement. Let's talk about that. Um, the intervention part of it is being able to go into the communities and provide resources. Um, a lot of what we do, the prevention is a lot of the blight that's in our community and working with our community and our neighbors. And the enforcement is to go in the community, get the bad guys out of the community and stay in the community. Don't just leave them. Right. Stay. Yeah. Stay a while. Get to know somebody. So all those different things put together is really helping to make a difference. It's just not one thing. That's true. That's true. And I also think that you all being advocates for your community members, and and that's going to change over time. I think with the community need right now, we have a huge need for housing and a lack of um, lack of affordable housing and lack of resource for resources for our homeless population. And you all and your outreach team almost need to be those individuals that show up to city council meetings and say, we need you to get some money available for housing because there's too many people in the streets. And that may be adding to some of the crime that's happening and you know that's our goal to to uh, minimize that but so I I think that advocacy piece is also going to be really important and your team is that so your team are they are advocates by nature because they come from these communities they come from these backgrounds so they know um, some of the needs and how to how to fight for them you know um, but I want to I have a, I have a question for you David because I think that sure. um, again in getting to know you all um, and the feedback from the community, sometimes good, sometimes bad. And you're on the other end of that. And it can be really frustrating because you all and the intentions of you and your team and your program are good and they're powerful. If you were to we talk about this in mental health all the time. I talk to people when I'm when I'm working with them for counseling and I'm like, if you woke up tomorrow and everything was as you wanted it to be. You know, if you woke up tomorrow and you had solutions and some of the challenges in the community were met. What would that look like for you? That will look like us as a community no longer just working in silos. Mm. Um, and it's okay to have a couple programs that are like, like we or like-minded or what have you, but we have a lot of reduplication. And then we have those foot soldiers on the ground um, and programs that aren't being funded. Those people who aren't looking for the limelight, they could care less if they were in the blade. Mm-hmm. 
or if you interview them, they're going to do the real work anyways. You might not have never heard of them. So in a per- perfect world is us all rowing in the right direction and us doing it together to ensure that we have a safe and um, bright and clean community and that um, our children see this as a place that they can raise families in. David, uh, I have one last question as we wrap up this part of our visit, and then we'll we'll pivot a little bit. Um, sure. I, I'm 100% certain that people in communities uh, you serve do not listen to this podcast. It's a lot of people who, who look like me. I'm a 43-year-old white guy with a lot of Batman shirts, and I go to Target four times a week. Um what what can people, men, women, and otherwise who look like me and, and Alex who lives in who lives in Perrysburg? Oh, stop it! Not uh, for long. <laughs> I'm coming. It. I'm coming to Toledo. Other than the just shade. other than just listening to, and they're open minded. That's why we enjoy people who come to the podcast. And we have people like you on, but the other people, the people that are a touch point or two away, what can those people who are shopping at Target, who are only coming downtown to work and then bouncing back out to Sylvania, what can they do to help the issue? Because they're a part of this community as well. Right. First and foremost, I shop at, I shop at Target also. <laughs> hey, Target. Uh, hey. Uh, secondly, uh, we need your help. Um, I tell people I ain't turning nothing down but my collar. There you right? go. So I go into any and every community is to speak. I was out in Savannah last Sunday um, uh, twice at the same church, and people are saying the same thing. What do you need? And we need your support, right? We, we need community partners. We need collaboration, right? We need you to help us push this forward. We need your prayers also. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a church, so I'm not turning that down also. Um, but there are a lot of people in other areas who are also doing the work that are named or who are supporting, uh, whether it's monetary-wise or just through prayer. We need those efforts from across our communities. So with that, um, that is going to wrap up the uh, community affairs part of uh of the show because i only have 20 minutes for that and the rest of this is all podcast only um not that things will change a whole whole bunch much but we'll ask you challenging questions as we get close to the end here like what's your favorite pizza place and stuff like that but um a couple more save our community questions um are there any neighborhoods that look i know we got to finish the job first but are there other neighborhoods that you're I hate to use the word targeting, but eyeing um, to, to get uh, violence interrupters and save our community into. Yes. First and foremost, they're no longer violence interrupters. Yes, I'm I was waiting for that out. to come. I knew that was coming. You don't want that double negative. <laughs> yes. Uh, like I said, some people can't help for where they live. Um, and violence is just a product of everything else you see. So they are interrupters. Mm-hmm. Um, we have, Eric, recently expanded to the LaGrange Corridor. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we are housed at the Zablocki Center. Um, and our team, as I speak right now, what time is it? 12 o'clock? We already, 12.30, we have our our outreach specialists in place. They come in at uh, 10 o'clock every day. And next, we are looking, Eric, to expand into East Toledo, which is a place I used to live. And as you know, if you're not from East Toledo, they don't want to hear from you. Uh, I hate to speak for them, but I I lived over there for 10 years and my wife's from East Toledo. But that's where we're looking to expand. And we're we're asking, we're listening to the community, the heartbeat of the community, because people are saying, well, 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 can you come to the old South End? You know, like, 
Can you expand like the, the Broadway or maybe to the new South End area? Can you come out here? We love to be everywhere, mm-hmm. um, but it's going to come down to uh, uh, funding and us being more purposeful and, intent- and intentional. Yeah, and the community support. So we would support. love to see that happen in any way we can make it happen. We're on board. Yeah, you're a thousand percent right. Um, and I'm glad that I was right because I was over at the East Toledo Family Center uh, early in the summer. You, you're familiar with you're familiar with the place. Do you know Jody over there? Of course. So, Do I know who? Jody. I think Jody is their director. Yes, Jody Gross. Yeah, Jody and uh, and one of her people, Shelby, came by and, and visited and chatted, and I'm excited to help them. Because even when I lived downtown, <laughs> I didn't do East Toledo stuff much, but I said to Jody, there is no neighborhood or part of town um, that is as tribal and closed in as East Toledo. Like Just like you said, like if I went over there, they'd know that I was not from East Toledo. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. But you're, you're right. So I'm, I'm glad to see that that's a potential, um, that you're eyeing that area because I know Jody has been the backbone of that place. And with everything that's happening on the waterfront, um, we got to make sure the rest of the neighborhood is... They need a voice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I truly enjoyed living on the east side. I, I, I found a lot of my purpose on the east side, working with a Y in a national program called the Carrera Program. Um, and I, I, I still have family over there. My wife's family is over there. And mm-hmm. um, at the end of the day, it's all Toledo, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to see things get better. We want to see brighter days. And that's something I'm going to continue to push for. And a lot of people, I'll tell you, Eric, a lot of people go, oh, you got such a big job. I said, no, I don't. We do. Yeah. That's the problem. You want to put it on one person, it's, right? We can't do that. Or, I, I can only put in so many bricks in the day, but together we can build a foundation and see brighter futures for our community. I think Toledo is an amazing city as well. And it, like Eric mentioned, some of the folks that listen to our show, you know, might not live in some of the neighborhoods that you're going to be doing your work in, but it's but Toledo is an amazing city. It's also not that big. And so you don't live far. And I think that we all should be invested in the success of your program and in the success of our community members and our community as a whole, because we're, we, we truly do all live in it together. You're never too far from an area that might be struggling. And I think it's important that people continue to support no matter where they live. Yes. 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 Um, I agree 100%. I, I really agree with what you're saying 100%. And um, we just got put in the work, Alex. That's right. And you're doing a phenomenal job oh, in what, what it is that you're doing. And Eric, I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, our interrupters received over 70 hours of yeah. training before they went out on the street. That's yep. a lot. And yep. that's, we wanted to put something in their toolbox. We, you just can't just send them mm-hmm. out there willy nilly. We're mm-hmm. very intentional. Mm-hmm. And that, like, uh, I remember the week that Alex was with you guys, I had said to her a couple of days before, I'm like, hey, these guys are getting trained over at Mercy. And she's like, yeah, we're training them the rest of the week. <laughs> um, I, and the, I don't think that happened when Jawan got this thing off off the ground. So mm-hmm. I was excited to see that. And that's, that's kind of like what I was thinking where, um, yeah, they got the dry run and we can look at what, what we missed and, and you guys can do better and reshape it with the, the name, the name alone. Um, something else Alex had, had mentioned um, that we are all one community and I think the one thing that, that gives people pause not not me but people who would look like me is that um, in the same way that 
that good can spread, bad can spread. Mm-hmm. And when we were at the peak of this stuff last year with all the murders, um, I, I think if you follow this thing at all, and if I misspeak here, please correct me. A lot of this stuff is concentrated in, in the same spots. I grew up in Philadelphia. Um, the same mm-hmm. spots that are trouble in North Philadelphia uh, back then when I grew up are, are a lot like that now. It was concentrated, but with during this COVID era, um, that stuff has spread out. Like we have read stories of, and like the little girl that was killed. Like there has been far too many far too much collateral damage from bullets flying outside of the normally concentrated areas what they are and i think that's what that's what might trouble the average citizen perhaps but they i think they need to look at the entire picture right this world is uh canvas and each day we get more color in it right but they got to look outside of the fact that um the average shooting that happens in in homegrown terrorism actually comes from young white men oh yeah oh that's a whole other thing (laughs) yeah right so so uh, those scare tactics or what have you we have to look at the completeness of what gun violence is about and not just say "Eh, it's you guys right so um once we look at that and we're educated about it then i think we could cure some of those different ills but if we want to look one-sided at it nothing's ever going to happen it's going to be finger pointing Mm. I mean, it's arguably a, a terrifying sandwich because you're right. We're we the two the two sitting in this studio. We're all too familiar with that stuff. Um, we have another girl that hosts with us. She has she works at TSA, and I asked her a couple of weeks ago. It's very unlikely to happen, but I understand your fright of someone shooting up TSA, and she was as frightened as. Um, I'd ever seen her. So you've got yet like uh, neighborhood violence and gun violence, and then you've got the fear of somebody running into a school and doing something awful. It's the times are scary. The times are certainly scary. Um, can I ask you about like growing up and what you like to do when you're not on the clock and some personal <laughs> questions? You can't, Eric, but that's going to cost you two dollars and a pack of green nihilators. <laughs> green nihilators. The green ones are good. As long, as long as you don't make me buy Verners for you. Oh, I'll stop do- it! How dare you shit on Verners? <laughs> um, yeah. What are you saying about Alex and Verners? I don't know what's going on now. Um, what do you what What do you like to do? What do you enjoy uh, for for fun? Where are your favorite spots in town? Um, we will not ask you your favorite metro park. So just just word vomit all over us. Before I do that, Alex, yes, I skipped over something, and, I, and Eric, I skipped over something that I have to put out there. Okay. The library is the bomb.com. Oh, my goodness. Say no my skill set, Eric, a lot of my skill set was developed at the library, the databases, the community connections, people coming in and out of our spaces, uh, giving them the hookup on the latest book, mm-hmm. running the Black Lives Matter program there, uh, having a a young teen council and working within the system, librarians are the pulse of our community. It's almost like being at the beauty shop or the barber shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah that that was- I have to throw out there. So to oh, all librarians are listening, I love you, still with you guys, um, but here's another effort and another challenge. That being said, Eric, I love, the biggest thing I like to do, I don't get to do it as often, I have a media room, and I'll go down go down there. I love listening to two-channel music. I'm an audiophile. Awesome. I like music at its purest sense. 
So, so the I'm Jazz Fest is this weekend. application. I love it. So, That's where I get my peace at when I go on my media room. So you'll be at the Jazz Festival this weekend, I take it. I will not. Oh, no. I will be probably uh, <laughs> shopping with my wife in another town. Uh, and I believe in balance. So me and my wife have go. to... Uh, what's, what's, I want to spend some time with her. Oh. What's the other town? Where are you going to shop? We're 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 going up to Cleveland. <gasps> we're gonna go be on on the water. We're well, gonna eat you know some dinner. We'll you, do a little shopping. You know, Cleveland we just need is to get away. Grounds. You know, uh, a little quick something until um, I don't want to really take no vacation time off yet because of how important this assignment is. I did not say job. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very spiritual. I'm a man of God. This is an assignment, mm-hmm. and I'm going to see it through. That being said, I also love working out five days a week. I run whenever I can. Um, if I'm not running around, I'll run. What I won't do, I will not allow anyone to run with me because it gives me peace when I run. Mm. So people say, can I run with you? I was like, you cannot run with me. I run by myself. And spending time with my grandkids uh, and, my, and, and my adult kids, it means everything to me. Family is everything to me here. Um. Were you, are you going Sunday for this shopping trip, or is it Saturday? Saturday. We're, we're going to do this Saturday, and um, that's how I get peace of mind, is making sure that I have balance. And um, with that, Eric, our, our interrupters see so much. Mm-hmm. And um, we haven't brought up that mental health aspect. We ensure that they're getting the help they may need. Sometimes they see too many things or hear too many things. And also, that's one of the uh, top referrals that we're getting, housing and mental health. Yep. Uh, I don't understand the housing thing. Like, I grew up, Eric, I came from the na- land of no. I don't know if you've ever been there. No lights, no heat, no water, no gas, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, no father. That was my situation. That was never my destination. Mm-hmm. But during that time, even when we didn't have <laughs> different uh, things cut on in the house, we had a roof over our head. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing this uptick where we're seeing families living out of their cars. Yep. Yeah. Foreign big, big families. And there's no room for them in the shelter. There's no room at the inn. There's none. That's foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we have uh, many, many, many problems and people like yourself and we do what we can to plug the holes up, but there's a, there's a, a lot of problems. And if we all do a little bit, we can hopefully make some headway in them. I asked about your shopping trip because I was wondering if you were going to tell your wife um, in about two weeks, uh, your Sundays are off limits for Steelers football. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do have streaming on my phone. Okay. (laughs) And don't you wear any... I can TiVo it. Don't you wear any Steelers clothes in the land either because we'll come at you for that. Um, um, Alex, so (laughs) not for to go sideways, are you a Cleveland Browns fan? Oh, I'm from Cleveland, born and raised. I'm going to let that pass then because that makes perfect sense. But we believe in rings in Pittsburgh. Yes. Oh, stop yeah. it. Six, six, six of them. Six of them. If, if Pittsburgh is Sixburg, then Cleveland is zero land. <laughs> if we could compete on our loyalty alone, we would have all the rings, okay? Oh, my God. You guys are going to the Super Bowl every year. Every but that, year. It is what every it is, year. right? <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Give uh, one last question. And every time I, sure. I keep warning people, whenever I say one last question, that means there's three more because I'm always so curious. Uh, give us your, your favorite restaurant. Toledo based. 
What was that? Um, Alex Toledo what? Yeah, Toledo, a local restaurant. <sighs> That's hard to say. I don't go out and eat a lot. My mm. sister caters. Oh. And I'll have to tell you this. I had a friend tell me, my sister chicken is so good, even the grease is good. <laughs> I've never heard of that day in my life. But I said, what? He said, man, even the crease was good. I was like, wow, okay. So I don't do a lot of eating out. So shout out to all the local restaurants in Toledo. Please go spend some money wherever you like to go. Um, but I like eating at home. What's, so. okay. What's your sister's business? What's her name? Faze Catering. Okay. Good. So Faze she caters Catering. for a lot of uh, different large companies and so forth. And I feel like her, I've had that her special is this. Um, uh, if I forget it, she's going to kill me. <laughs> um, oh my God. I'm is having a brain freeze. That's okay. Eric, this can't happen. Uh, it's, it's, it's a cake that she makes. Oh. Caramel cake. Ha-ha. Caramel cake. She makes caramel cake. If you warm it up a little bit and you drink a little milk with it, Eric, you will need a pillow. <laughs> no, I don't need any. I don't need to eat anything to have a pillow. I can sleep almost on command. Hey, what did she do something in the early months of COVID? For did she have some project? Get some news attention? I feel like I had her on the podcast two years ago. I don't think you probably did. Okay, all right. Talk to a lot of people. But she would love to be a part of it. <laughs> hey, free, free plugs. Um, look, I am, uh, so I, I've lined you up for, for a while now. Um, I'm so appreciative that Amy could finally connect us because um, somebody else who I adore, uh, Jenny at Engage Toledo, um, yes. a- after she let me see the call center, she had invited me to come to something where you were speaking, but I had another commitment. But I'm glad we could connect. Um, as Alex probably told you a couple weeks ago, um, both of us are here for whatever you need. Yes. Um, bigger than me, our Cumulus Media Cluster. Um, however we can help. I mean, the the radio stations, media, our number one job is to serve the community. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you talked about how it's it's a mission, it's an assignment. Um, I My radio stuff, my media stuff is, is the same. I want to entertain and inform people and do a little bit of both at the same time if I can. And uh, when it stops being that and, and it's a job, I retire, hopefully in about <laughs> two years. So whatever you need, we got you. Thank you. I appreciate both of you guys. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Be safe and bless up. Give the team our love, please. Give all the uh, interrupters and outreach and Angel. Tell them all we said hello. Thank you. And Deandra. Both. Deandra, too. Let's not forget her. Ooh, she going to love to hear that. <laughs> Thanks, David. We'll, uh, I'll see you soon, okay? You bet. Bye-bye. Bye.